0: what's up bikers episode 174 (laughs) like you guys can't read (laughs) this one is cav helmets i'm pretty excited about this i bumped into this company last year at sea otter and i've been pretty stoked to have this conversation so i am don't have a a whole lot to tell you guys before we get started except for one thing i want to tell you this if you're into tasco Right now, they have um, like a huge sale going on, and uh, the link is in my show more, or if you're listening on the podcast, the link's in there as well. But for example, jerseys, it's kind of a little cooler right now. The thing I like about their jerseys is that the back's a little bit longer. I feel like there's a, a marketing slogan or a marketing campaign that could happen here. It's like the no butt crack jersey, because basically it being a little longer when you're hunched over in the riding position, not showing your butt crack, so... If you're the dude that's slowest in the back, this is a problem of looking at your buddy's butt crack. If you're fast and in the front, I guess it doesn't really matter. So don't buy a jersey. But the thing is about Tasco, since they're a sponsor of the, the channel, he um, reached out to me and he's like, hey, let everybody know we're having this fat sale. Click the link down there, get to the sale stuff. But you can use the biker discount as well. So you can like double dip. It, it It's going to be that, that's some legit pricing. So go check it out. Aside from that, I also want to mention to you guys one thing real quick about Fazari is one of the things I really like about them is they have an option that you don't get from a bike shop and that's their love it or return it guarantee. So basically you buy the bike, they send it to you, you ride it on your own trails and you figure out whether or not you like it. And in 30 days, if you don't like it, you send it back, get your money back. So that's pretty rad. Um, can't do that at the bike shop. So that is one of the benefits of going through somebody like them. So go check them out. If you're thinking about getting a new bike, I'm really digging my LaSalle. Anyways, if you um have had a chance to write a review on the podcast, a five-star review, that would be so sweet because I got a notification the other day. I guess they're, got, they're doing some kind of thing on Spotify now. So those of you guys that don't listen on Apple and you're on Spotify, give me the thumbs up. Do whatever they have going on over there because um, it helps the algorithm understand what's, what's up. Those of you guys still on Apple, man, I haven't read a new review over there in a while. So go over there. Hook me up. I'd really enjoy it. So anyways, let's go ahead and bring Whitman on from CAD. How's it going, man?
1: Hey, Robert. It's fantastic. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. Where Where are you guys located at?
1: Uh, we are based in Redwood City, California. So we're in, we're in oh. North California as well.
0: Oh, right on, man. So you've been getting hit by all the
1: rain and all the good stuff, right? That's right. Yeah, we've been watching animals board two by two in the the big ship. It's it's, <laughs> it's been pretty crazy here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, man. This time of year is just like it's such a drag to be a like a bike rider. But on the other hand, I'm I also feel really bad complaining about it raining. We're like. A lot of the other part of the country is like, uh, dude, it's snowing outside. We can't go outside at all.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's right. We're, we're uh, like, it uh, rained
0: on Monday and Tuesday. And just screwed up my plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It ruined my ride. And uh, our, our head of uh, marketing, Jake, is in Southern California, right? And they got like six to eight inches. And yeah. So they literally have like school closures and, you know, flooding in the basement, and everything. And we're complaining about riding. So yeah, it's, uh, it's all uh, about, <laughs> you get kind of spoiled here in Northern California. Yeah, for
0: sure. The, for the people listening, he's got like all these uh like badges and not badges, what do you call them? Like like number plates on on the wall behind him. Are you a runner or is that from all riding or what's going on there?
1: Oh yeah, it's a mix. Actually, it's funny because I haven't been <laughs> I've been riding a lot more the last year or two, but my um my my kids uh were talking smack and uh one of them challenged me to a marathon. Uh, so we ran the San Francisco marathon last year and the other one, uh, wanted to do a triathlon. So I kind of had to learn how to swim and, and do that and kind of almost died basically, but it was fun to spend time with the kids. you
0: know. <laughs> right on. That's crazy. I I've thought about a triathlon before, but I'm not, I'm not keen on the swimming thing. So like you just, it's not very far, right? It's like a half a mile or something like that, or
1: um that that's right like on paper it doesn't seem so far but you know we're we're used to like bike miles right and yeah we, we, at least like if you're me and you're you're like this tortoise in the water that's just kind of drifting yeah that yeah. that mile can take um what will feel like ian's um to, to get. so it's it. a mile is
0: what it is then. oh
1: yeah the, the one i did was what was a mile and uh Man, that's i don't know i, I guess i'd liken it to trying to uh, run with your hands because like most of your propulsion is from your your arms yeah i, I don't think people were designed to be propelled that way i mean there's a reason why our legs are right. bigger right like I just yeah. <laughs> didn't work for me didn't work for me yeah
0: no that's the one thing that like I, i've heard of some other ones where they swap out the riding or the swimming for like uh like a kayak kind of thing or something like that i'm like okay i could do that but the swimming thing i'm like i don't know man i just that doesn't it doesn't sound appealing to me
1: <laughs> yeah I, I wish i talked to you last year and found one that had the, the, the kayaking option probably right right yeah. so
0: um what is what is cab sports what, what are you guys doing over there
1: yeah um yeah for, for those who don't know uh, we make custom helmets um we 3d print them and our thesis is that um, everything starts with the fit of your helmet. I think we're, uh, you know, really used to our bikes being, you know, well adjusted to us. Everything from handlebar width, crank length, frame mm-hmm. sizes, and uh, we feel like there's this massive missed opportunity in improving your performance. And in this case, performance also includes protecting your your noggin, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of having a, a helmet that actually fits your head instead of the other way around, shoehorning your head into one of two or three sizes.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's something key there that a lot of people don't necessarily maybe connect the dots on. And that's like, like when a helmet's designed by a, a manufacturer, like they choose a shape for the inside. And that, that's why somebody like me might be like, this helmet is the most comfortable helmet in the world. And then somebody else will go buy it and they'll be like, dude, that thing sucks. And, and it's just because like, well, maybe my mom dropped me on the stairs too many times or like yours didn't drop you enough, you know, like, but there, there's a, there's a shape there, you know? And, and, um, so what brought this up? You were like, like, is this like one of those like projects in college and then all of a sudden turned into a thing or what?
1: Yeah, no, no, definitely more involved than in that. So, uh, my, um, my son was a hockey player or actually is mm-hmm. a hockey player. Uh, kind of rarity in Northern California, I think. But, uh, you know, I think when he started at age five, uh, you know, it was just kind of obvious that that sport is a great sport, but it's, uh, it's kind of like football on ice. Right. And Mm -hmm. the rate of concussion is actually quite high. Um, and so, you know, around that time, I mean, this is like, like 12, 13 years ago, the, um, I think the NFL was, was having the same experience, right. In terms of the, their awareness, on concussions was just growing. And so for me, it seemed like, um, you know, foam was kind of the standard for 30 years ever since the Giro pro light, I think was like the first kind of foam helmet, which mm-hmm. was a massive shift from the, the leather hairnet right? that people used to kind of yeah. wear or, or the, or the giant, like plastic, you know, um, kind of, uh, Walnut shell. That was the other kind of, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's serious limits to using styrofoam, right? Which is great for keeping our beer cold, but maybe the idea was that maybe there could be something a little bit better, um, for your head. And so I was very fortunate, um, our, our founding team, I got, um, Dave, who's our CTO and ex Google guy. Um, and Mike, who was the VP of advanced concepts from, uh, Bell, we just got around the table and said, like, look, if we were going to start from scratch, like, what would a 10X helmet look like? You know, a helmet that was not incrementally better, but, like, vastly superior in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we just realized, like, look, uh, particularly in the Valley, we're, we're gifted with access to um, the best software um, engineers and now AI. Um, material science and um, additive manufacturing, the, the intersection of new materials, the ability to produce something of any shape. and um, the the Kazi helmet has this very sophisticated honeycomb structure that acts as a crumple zone, um, and then um, the added manufacturing process and software allows us to make it exactly to the contours of your head. I thought like this, this has an opportunity to be just kind of game changing with respect to safety, yet alone the performance aspects uh, of the helmet. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was a very intentional kind of path um, that that we went sure. down. And,
0: sure. But why, why bike helmets? Like you could start a company oh. doing anything, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, it's a universal sport, right? Like yeah. it's a universal activity. Like, like many, many people bike, whether you're commuting, mountain biking, road biking, um, different countries and so forth. And so, you know, the the mission of the company um, is threefold, but the, the first part is like save lives. And if, right. if you're going to try to save lives, you try to do it where you can impact the most people and, and cycling one of the the Biggest kind of vectors
0: to do that. Mm-hmm. So, my assumption would be the reason that the name's Cav Sports is that you guys have plans to eventually get into like protective gear across the board. I, I would assume, yeah, yeah, like, hockey's yeah, up, <laughs> yeah that, that,
1: that's exactly right. Like, cavbikehelmets.com was available, but we thought that something a little broader might, might be the way to go because, uh, you're exactly right, There's there's a lot more.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um was there some like w- were you guys all riders to start with or was it really just about like hey, this is a market that you can penetrate that has a really large user group that would be like easiest to kind of break into?
1: Yeah, um actually like half of our company rides and half doesn't and and somewhat yeah. intentional in that that way. Uh I have a passion for the sport. I used to race in college um I use race loosely. I think for mountain biking, it's like crash. Like every, every, yeah. every race, I would like crash. I was kind of known for that. Um, but
0: you're a racer if you just show up, right? I mean,
1: yeah, I, I like that mentality. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I love that mentality. Uh, no, it's it's just a great sport, right? Whether you you win or lose, like you say. Um And uh, but the other half doesn't, and and that that's intentional as well. One because, as I said, we're doing other activities, but. Two, we wanted to make sure that um, while we leverage what existing kind of know-how within the cycling and helmet community there is, we also wanted to entertain new ideas and new ways of doing it. And, and the only way to do that is to bring in people who um, are outside the sport, and frankly, outdoor outside even maybe you know outdoor sports or outdoor activities, and and just come from a completely different angle. And I have to admit, like I'd say, many of the best ideas that we've had improving the helmet have come from those, those individuals
0: yeah i think it's it's key you know to have somebody that actually has an impartial opinion of of it you know where i think with anything the more experience that you have in a field the the like the the harder it is for you to like think outside of that box you know so where like you're a a biker you're going to think about like all these things that just like drill in your mind while you're you're pedaling right you know but you could be somebody that's just going to walk up and and take a look at it and be like well that looks you know why would you do that you know and it's like oh well that's because we always did that and you know some of us are like pre-programmed that way and even though you're trying not to um yeah it's 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 interesting so um Right out the gate, were you thinking like 3D printing or was that like something you came to as you were kind of planning out your strategy?
1: Yeah, it, it was out of the gate. We wanted to do 3D printing. Um, part of that was pragmatic and part of that was uh, kind of the, the the second aspect of our, our mission statement, which is trying to produce locally um, and all the benefits from being green um, that are associated with that. But the, the pragmatic reason was also that we, um, uh, the engineering team has a, a software background and in software, you are constantly improving product, right. For, for anything that we use, whether it's, you know, Apple products or these services and whatnot, um, you know, the cadence is making new features every week or every month. And we knew that if we were manufacturing these overseas and you're spending 500000 or a million dollars to have all these injection molds made that's gonna make you want to stick with your old solution for way longer until you pay mm-hmm. off your bills, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and that's gonna drastically reduce your rate of innovation. And so yeah. um, the 3D printing was as much that we knew that look, there's gonna be a lot of stuff we're gonna learn. We're not gonna get this right out of the gate. Um, And so let's have the humility to kind of recognize that and structure the company in a way that we can be successful, even when we're making um, those mistakes in in the development process.
0: So it it allows you to be really nimble on your production. So like the first thing that comes to my mind is how do you handle revisions? Is it kind of like a Tesla model where you're like, we just keep changing it. And if you buy it this month, you get this version. And if you buy it next month, you get that version or is it more like... Like, hey, we're going to do this annually, or, or what's, what's your thought yeah. process?
1: Yeah, I, I, I wish it was as easy as like an over-the-air software <laughs> update, yeah. um, you know, or you know, tap your iPhone on, on, on your helmet three times, and it, and it updates everything. But um, no, I mean, the reality is we, we can't do that. It, it, I think there's, there's two pieces. There's uh, the pre-release of the product and, and the kind of post-release of the product. The, the pre-release, like we went through. 50 some odd iterations of the helmet, like full fledged helmets that were ride tested, mm-hmm. impact tested, um, ventilation test, like the whole nine, nine yards, um, before we, you know, released our first helmet. So that piece we could not, never have done, like, there's no way we could have injection molded even like a handful, it just would have been prohibitively mm-hmm. expensive. Um, yeah, but post-process, um, what it does allow us to do is, uh, I'll, I'll give an example. We, uh, everything is custom fit. And so we're like, this is fantastic. You, uh, we all love riding and you get on the bike faster, right? Like it sounds silly, but now I can, I can just stick my helmet on. I don't have to like ratchet the back and I don't have to like keep playing with that throughout the ride to tighten it on downhills and loosen it when I'm climbing or or whatnot. Um, It'll just fit and feel great. And uh, we thought actually women particularly would, would, would like this. And we tested it with, with a few women. Um, because they wouldn't have to like mess with their hair, like ponytail porting it through the, the, the you know, retention device and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so we got feedback though from, um, we we had more ambassadors, and we had some racers and we had literally half the women were like, you know, I kind of miss actually having that because what we didn't realize is like for some women, they, they use that to stabilize the helmet. Like it just felt more secure having their ponytail mm-hmm. do that because it effectively like locked it in place. And then they would Mm -hmm. just let their helmet like looser or or whatnot and and let their ponytail do the bulk of the work. And, um, we started getting a bunch of people using our helmet for gravel riding and cross country mountain bike racing as well. And they're like, yeah, you know, it, the helmet is, is great, but I am just used to having that sensation of something lower down the, Mm -hmm. you know, the back of my helmet. And so we created what's called the rear lock, which is just this little strap that can be inserted on the back of the helmet. And it's literally just a a 3d printed strap. It's custom made for the helmet. Um, There's no retention device, but um, I call it training wheels for people who are just used to having um, a retention Mm -hmm. device. Like you have that same sensation Um, Mm -hmm. and people, uh, a lot of, again, racers and the women love it. I think some percentage of them are slowly like removing them because once they get used to the, the helmet. And what we did is like, hey, that was an We designed it so it could be retrofitted to the existing helmet. So all our existing customers were like, hey, um, we'll just do this as a free upgrade. Um, we're, yeah. you know, we appreciate the early support. Uh, we, we got all the feedback, and this is something that we can do without you having to like, buy a whole new helmet. Uh, mm-hmm. And more than half the customers took us up on that. And, and uh, it was a fantastic way to say thank you, but also like, innovate very, very quickly.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's no retention device at all.
1: Oh, there's no need for a retention device. Yeah. It, 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 so how does the,
0: of... I, yeah, no, I can under, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't, shouldn't. I guess I, I'm, I'm stuck on my thought process here. Sure. So how does that have, like, like how does that affect if, you know, if I don't get a haircut for a month, I may be like one click different than I am whenever yeah. I freshly get a haircut. So like, how does that work on your helmet then? yeah this is uh something we figured out very early on we're like oh
1: custom fit this is fantastic we can measure and make something precision to 50 nanometers right like or uh micrometers yeah. and uh and then you're like oh this is like too precise <laughs> right like yeah uh we, and we found this out during COVID because people were growing out their hair for various reasons <laughs> and so we're like okay fantastic so um we created what's called these uh constant force springs so On the inside of the helmet, um, we have the the padding system actually retracts um, into the helmet. And we created a spring system that um, literally applies roughly the same amount of force, regardless of where you are in the throw of that spring. Mm -hmm. That's really important because what it means is the helmet feels the same, regardless of how much you push the pads back. Um, And so whether you are growing your hair out or you wear a cycling cap underneath your helmet on the winter, on the cold morning, it'll fit. You don't need like a second helmet and um, it will uh, feel the same. And it has this additional benefit, which is um, the ventilation actually changes in subtle ways as well. So the airflow of the helmet is designed, uh, unlike traditional helmet, the airflow goes across your entire head if your hair is grown out more, or you've got a fit cap, like it compresses um, the uh, pads. But this, is particularly for the the cap situation, is the one that we have mm-hmm. more common. And it, and it ends up um, reducing the airphone being a little bit warmer, um, which is kind of what you want on a cold morning or a winter
0: day. Yeah. Hmm. So I guess we should probably take a step back and and ask the question of how do you get a custom fit helmet as a consumer? Like when they're they're coming to you. Like, when
1: yeah. you Scan my head.
0: I got to go down to the like. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. You you want the short version or the long version?
0: Whatever you have time for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the medium version. Um. This is like the. Uh, I think this is like our fourth generation process, right? Okay. So first generation is um you've got to shave your head, right? So that we get a clear thing. Um. Shockingly. so basically when you guys
0: started the company everybody's like i think he started a cult like yeah. they all shake their head and and they're staying in that building all day long and all night long
1: <laughs> that's right they say they're working on 3d printing and there's like weird led lights <laughs> and stuff yeah yeah right um sacrificing foam helmets on an altar ah uh, <laughs> so so obviously that, that 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 didn't go very far like um the commitment level wasn't there with our customer right um, the 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 second generation, what we did was actually uh, we took uh, seven data points off your head, and uh, it required us sending out like a fit kit, uh, basically a set of calipers and a uh, tape measure. And what we did is we had a database of um, several thousand people, and with the seven measurements, we could uh basically create a virtual rendering of your head so it wasn't just mapping um it's not like a suit where we're just mapping like your chest and arm measurements um we were getting like your width and length we were actually using those to create a the curvature of your head and it was really really good um, what we didn't like about it is that like, we have to ship like this fit kit to people and it's like uh it's inconvenient and, and frankly it's not very green like we're trying to just make things uh, easier yeah what that did do is the it, human, gives, it gives a lot of data, there.
0: though. Hmm? You have the human error part too, where it's like you're. like, <laughs> yeah, hey, I expect yeah. them to hold it right here and measure it to there, but they're holding it off by you know a centimeter, which like really changes everything. Then.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's that's exactly right. So that, we did that, and then we sent a uh, what we call like a fit cap, and it was this like uh, thing that modeled the interior of the helmet that people could effectively try on, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like if you ever get a custom suit. You know, they measure you, but you go in for a fitting because there's like a personal preference thing too. Like, even if the measurements were perfect, everyone just has a preference of like how they like their helmet to feel. Mm -hmm. And so we, we use this cap to kind of triangulate that. Um, it was great. Um, it was a great way to just talk to people and get feedback as well as just talking through helmets and people's riding preferences. Um, but this last Christmas, what we introduced was a, an app, and the, the app actually, with three photos, it uses all the data that we, we previously collected, but with three photos now, we can do the exact same thing. Um, it creates mm-hmm. a virtual rendering of your head. It's it's much more precise. It takes all the user error out. Um, and It's kind of fun, frankly. Um, uh, we can try to gamify it. Tell people that you know how how big their nougat is. I don't know how many jelly beans you can fit. Yeah. I, I don't know. We, we have to. We'll figure it out. Um, but it, it's a it's a much more streamlined process, and people people seem to really like it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So, so you guys have a pretty big team of like software engineers then as well.
1: We have or a I, yeah. No, we have a small squad of ninjas basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, they're really incredible, uh, and, but I, I've always found, you know, I've worked at software companies for like 25 years now,
0: and I, I found
1: even at the biggest company, it's usually like two or three people that everyone looks to to, to do the hard stuff, and so mm-hmm. I figured like, let's just hire those two or three people, right, <laughs> and, and, uh, and then let's have fun instead of like managing you know, you know dozens or hundreds of, of people, um, and, and uh-huh. that's worked really well, I think, for, for what
0: so how long have you guys been doing this?
1: Uh, I started this, uh, about seven years ago, um, the, the mm-hmm. helmet, you know, went into production, uh, really last summer, uh, our factory mm-hmm. came online, but as, as you can imagine, or as you're kind of getting a sense, there's just a massive amount of R and D like this is a, yeah. this is a, we're talking about people's heads. Right. So the number of impacts testing we've done is insane. Like we built our own lab before we even started designing helmets. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have like crash test. We have three different cra- uh, test rigs. Um, our impact lab is probably comparable to the top three, top four helmet manufacturers in the world at this point. Um, and we mm-hmm. built a lot of the equipment ourselves.
0: That's pretty cool. W- what um, I, one of the the benefits to three D printing is is that you can like additive manufacturing instead of like reductive, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I would i would think I, i'm not like right now i'm having a hard time conceptualizing like what things i could do differently in print than injection molding mm. and i'm assuming it has to do with like really minute things where like you could put additional dampening in the hard shell layer because of like some honeycombing in between it or something like that compared to like an injection mold you actually don't have that much control or are, are you guys doing something down to that kind of like finite of, of a, a difference in print or like yeah what what's the what's the advantage of the the, the 3d printing other than like being yeah. able to be you know really like nimble
1: <clears throat> yeah no um there's massive engineering and product um advantages and so i would put it somewhat like um Almost like a steel frame versus a, a carbon fiber frame, right? Maybe something that everyone mountain bikes can, mm-hmm. can appreciate. You know, when when you extrude something, like you are limited by the um, the machinery, right? Like you can you can only the the complexity of the geometries is defined by your your tooling, um, so to speak. Right. With carbon fiber, like the layup is key, right? Like you can lay up the direction of the carbon fiber any which way. You can put a little bit more on the you know, the, the butts or the the ends of the tubes where you want a little more strength, you can put more around the pivots of the suspension. You can tune the, the feel. Um, and, and that's, that's effectively what we've done. Like we put material where you need it, um, and not where you don't. And, um, the geometries of the hexes that we're talking about or the honeycomb, it is like what you said, it's a three-dimensional, um, process. The, uh, there are very uh, there are like a dozen very subtle geometry changes that we do throughout. Um they're much wider on each end um so that uh they spread the load better. There's crumple zones kind of built in. Um it's a very specific and you can't injection mold it because with injection molding you have to be able to release the mold, right? If you can picture, you
0: know, yeah that two, makes sense. I got it.
1: things coming together. Yeah, like, right? it's, 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 just, it's Just
0: think thing, Plato play as a kid, you know, you had to stick it in a thing and kind of squeeze it together and
1: yeah, and it makes that noise every time you make a helmet. Right, every, every a time drink. I
0: have it. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, if you if you don't mind, I'm going to record that, and, and we'll put it by our three printers every time the print is done. It'll just right. it'll make that noise. <laughs> there <it>. you go. <laughs> the so,
0: done. so are you using, like, I, I would assume you're using multiple different materials that you're printing with, or is it, like, the same material for everything and just, like, thickness, or or how how are you going about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing that took us uh, a couple of years. We we took every material that was on the market and tested it for uh, impact absorption and environmental stability. It was like probably like a dozen different criteria we're looking at, but those, those were the two big ones that encompass the most important factors. Nothing kind of worked like either the material um, was uh, uh, not environmentally stable, meaning uh, it was UV, uh, integrated in uv or sunlight or um, it would be too brittle in the cold or it would melt if you put it on your dashboard um, or the impact characteristics were undesirable like it just didn't have the right amount of toughness uh, or what we call like modulus and, and pencil strength right? right and so the so, we so ended like up what the he's talking about.
0: about so for people that aren't super like familiar with 3D printing, let's just say something like PLA is a material that most people use for all the hobbyists kind of like printing things. And if you print some really cool um, Star Wars figurine and you leave it on your your dashboard, like that thing will actually melt. It's like a, the, the melting point of the the plastic is low enough that it, it'll become softer. And then, so you can choose, you know, with a 3D printer, a bunch of different plastics. And now, I mean, nowadays you can even print metal and and there's some like wood wood type of things that you can like it, it's crazy where it's going so i would imagine when you guys got started you didn't have as many options as you have now probably
1: yeah yeah that's that's right the option limit i forgot that you do some 3d printing and uh yeah the the stuff you use for hobbyists is is not necessarily what you want to use to protect your head, really. right? Right.
0: So, like, don't go at home and like 3D print yourself a, a, a pet G freaking helmet because it's not going to play. It's not going to play out well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we actually had a couple of customers who asked, "Are like, hey, you know, when you sell us like the the STL files, like the blueprints that I can make yeah. this at home?" I, I said like I don't know you but I, but I love you enough that I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. let, let's let's kind of do this the right way here and um, but yeah. So we, yeah, we end up basically developing our own set of materials and to your point uh, there's different materials that we use for different portions of the helmet each optimized for um, the particular subcomponent that we that we're making.
0: How many different materials are you using?
1: Yeah, so okay. we um we have Three generations of of proprietary materials. Um, those are the the base materials that we use for the impact. What we call the energy management system like the the portion that absorbs mm-hmm. you know collisions. Um, and then we have uh, I think two other materials that we use for the padding um, and springs and actually maybe yeah and and um, and what we call the fit band. So we got like a total of five up to five materials depending on. Um, so it's
0: hundred percent printed. Like the springs and everything are printed.
1: The only thing that's not printed are the, the straps. Um, we thought that'd be a, you know a little <laughs> you know extreme. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and the, and the buckles are also um, uh, sourced domestically.
0: Huh. That's interesting. But do you think that it was it just the buckles were easier just to get mass produced, or it, it was like we don't need to print that?
1: <laughs> it, it was both. It was like, I mean, we, we literally, um, we're not like, uh, we're, I don't want to, I don't want anyone listening here to think like, we're, we're just like 3D printing fiends, right? Where, you know, like yeah. we're printing our bikes and everything. Like, we, we really just wanted to 3D print the things that added value in the system, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, the buckles, they're they're inexpensive, they, they work well. Um, there wasn't yeah. anything there that we're like, oh, we can do that better than mm-hmm. um, existing buckles uh, systems out there. Um, and same with the, the nylon straps, um, the padding. Like I said, we have a bunch of patents around that because of the unique use case um, that we talked about, um, and of course, the, the rest of the helmet uh, is the geometries don't lend themselves to uh, mm-hmm. traditional manufacturing techniques or injection molding. Mm-hmm.
0: So you start out with this road, road helmet. What what kind of um, obstacles have you hit along the way that you weren't you weren't anticipating?
1: Oh, wow. So many, um, we can talk, uh, product side, marketing side, people side, <laughs> ride oh, testing side. I get, I'm like the chief crash dummy. So there's like lots of good stories there. Um, I don't <laughs> know, you, 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 choose your own adventure, Robert. Like, oh, what do you think is most interesting to you or, or your your listeners?
0: What comes to mind? I mean, that's, to me, yeah. that's, that's really what, what comes to mind when you think about like, man, that was, that was definitely not something I was expecting, you know,
1: Yeah. Um, uh, So one of the things I I think I was expecting was that the testing and certification regulations would would kind of map more closely to um, like protecting people. And Mm -hmm. I think they're just dated, right? Like at the time they were well-intentioned and probably the best that we had, but, you know, they they date back to the seventies and eighties. And so this one particular one, and Anyone who works um, in the helmet industry will kind of nod their head on this. Um, There's a a series of impacts that we have to do at negative 15 Celsius um, degrees. And it's a, a, uh, at one point we were testing hockey and I was like, okay, maybe I can see this on the ice and and snow helmets maybe. But um, it's a very impractical test because um, what happens is most materials get very brittle at that temperature. Mm -hmm. And so every manufacturer, um, they won't say this, but they're effectively making compromises um, to pass that test that aren't actually good for the 99.99% times when you're at negative 15C. And the the actual problem is it doesn't even, even that theoretical 0.01% chance isn't real because your head is warm. Like if you put on a helmet and it stays at negative 15C, you're probably dead, like yeah, you can't have something yeah. that cold on your head for any period of time and not, you know, be in hypothermia. Um, and it has a whole series of implications with respect to, you know, the safety of, of helmets and people's rider safety. <clears throat> um, and that type of thing is excruciatingly frustrating because, you know, you, you, you know, everyone in the industry wants to protect, you know, riders. Yeah. Um, like that's been a consistent threat I've seen throughout the industry. And stuff like this makes it like more difficult um to, to do that.
0: Yeah, whenever I, you know, I seem to remember whenever I was
1: I'm sorry? Uh, and so, and it was wholly unanticipated, like your original yeah. question. Like I, I just assumed, like the regulations might be, you know, there might be a, a lot of paperwork or you know, a lot of yeah things. Yeah. I thought they at least be directionally correct in terms of you
0: know, Yeah. Terms of I seem to remember when I talked to Callie um that they were saying that there wasn't really a lot of like side impact testing mm. or something along that lines. And I remember Brad is like super he's the owner of that company and he's like super passionate about safety, obviously. Right. And then uh and I just remember him saying like, that's like where most of the accidents actually are, like when people are biking because they're falling over and then they're 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 hitting their head sideways. And then it's like not really a lot of testing there or it's not something that maybe some manufacturers pay attention to as much because they're just trying to, to pass these like other tests, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's right. One, Brad, Brad's great. Like he, he's uh, yeah. I, l- I love what he's doing. I, I think he's got a, uh, he's also got a, um, you know, innovative ideas in terms of how to try to improve things just down the street from us. Um, and, uh, and he's right. You know, there, there's testing on the side, um, but it's not a lot. Like we end up basically, um, the certification, basically, you, you do like a half a dozen impacts across different temperatures and stuff. Um, for us, we actually just take a helmet and we, we basically, we've made thousands at this point and we just impact every two inches, like, and we just go around um, and uh, we're hitting every spot, but he's absolutely right. Like all the crashes, like if you just watch YouTube, but all the helmets that we've gotten for crash replacements, um, I would say the large majority on the sides. And it's just intuitive in terms of if, you, if you've ridden at all, you kind of know how you fall, how you protect yourself and, and just where you're going to land. Um, yeah. And it, it's part of the reason why we designed the helmet the way we did on, on ours as well. You, you'll just see that the, the sides are, are well protected.
0: Mm-hmm. particularly. Well protected. So you mentioned you mentioned you have a crash replacement plan. How does that go? Yeah, I mean, it's simple. 100%
1: crash replacement. Like, we just want to make it super simple for you to get back in riding. Um, We made a decision early on that we said, like, look, uh, this this is an investment. Like, we recognize our our price point is on the higher end. Um, We don't want people to ride a helmet that might be compromised because they're like, oh, it's you know, it's 300 bucks or, or whatnot. Like, I think I can still get some mileage out of this. We just like just take that out of the equation. Um, and so we want to make it easy. Any customer who's crashed a helmet or has any doubt that their helmet has been compromised, we just ask that they send it back so that we can use it for R and D purposes and see, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where the crash location was, uh, and yeah. then that kind of informs our, our future decision. And we send them send them out a new one.
0: So is that like indefinite? So you buy one helmet, you have. For the rest of your life or is it like <laughs> yeah <laughs> one time or
1: <laughs> we do we we do we do a one time uh and uh-huh. uh for, for our ambassadors and race team we, we do uh unlimited um for, for all our partners but yeah we haven't had anyone crash more than once as far as i know so far um, yeah and i i think I, I think there's a question where people have crashed more than once. We just want to ask them a little bit about their riding style. <laughs> whether, yeah, like, yeah. There's some other questions that maybe if we want yeah. to kind of um, answer, and that's during the warranty period. Like, uh, our helmets are warranted for five years, which I think is also. Interesting.
0: I know Cali does the same thing where they like to get them back because then it's like real-world data. You get to see not only like where they crashed, but like how the helmet reacted to that. You know, and I, that's a lot of data that like it's like. People do things that aren't predictable, you know what I mean. So, yeah. so like you could model some stuff and be like, okay, well, this is how it's going to happen, and then you're like, how did this happen? You know, like, and and it's just, it's just life is crazy, right? It's just kind of weird the way things happen.
1: No, yeah, that that's right. Like we we had two riders last year, unfortunately, they got hit by cars and ended up in the mm-hmm. ER, and it's like, um, thank thank goodness, no no head injuries, um. But like yeah, how do you how do you model that? Like, oh, like like what considerations? you know the team's always asking me to 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 test out you know the latest prototypes that they're they're working on and stuff. And I'm like, there's certain things that you know, I gotta draw the line somewhere in terms of where where my testing stops, and getting hit by a car seems like a pretty good, good, good place to draw the line. Yeah, yeah. So
0: uh, a lot of the marketing pushes from some of the major brands are all all based around MIps for a while. Now there you have other companies like Cali and some other ones out there that have developed their own kind of system that that emulates the same kind of process. Um, I, I was thinking about your retention system with the springs and stuff like that. Is that possibly also giving a similar effect where it's allowing the helmet to spin? and in, in reduce some force as well? Or do you guys have something else built in that's doing that kind of MIPS type of, of movement?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's really important to reduce the angular rotations that the head experiences, right? Which is the whole principle behind that. Um, right. For, for those who don't know, like, I think early days, people just assumed it was like your brain hitting your skull that was causing the concussion. Um, that's not good, obviously, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Important safety tip, you know, like don't have your brain, yeah. <laughs> it's called. Um, but you know, a lot of the more current research shows that uh, uh, contributing factors that if your head's spinning very quickly, right, it puts a lot of stress and strain on your neurons as it kind of twists around your brainstem, so to speak. Um, and so, uh, one of the huge advantages of the additive manufacturing process that you alluded to earlier is like we can build that into the hex structure. So, um the problem with foam is it's it's isotropic in behavior, I meaning it, it behaves the same in every direction. Um mm-hmm. hex structures do not. Um they are very uh, they act as springs or crumple zones if you hit them straight on, right? And they it, and they compress like an accordion. Mm-hmm. Um, if you hit them in oblique, um they actually naturally kind of shear um and uh uh and, and kind of break um a little bit more easily. Um, and so th- that drastically reduces like the rotational elements that come to your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so when you're saying hex,
0: when ahead. you're saying hex, you're 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 speaking like kind of basically honeycomb, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. The, the honeycomb. No, I'm just
0: I'm I'm just trying to break it down for other people as well. So is that the only um, like style of of printing that you're using for for compression? I mean, because there's other like. Like gyroid, and you know, just there's tons of different ways that you can print to yeah. change the way that forces are applied, or or, yeah. or like kind of diminished. So,
1: stuff. So we tried a lot of different shapes, like also many mm-hmm. shapes. Gyroids, you clearly three D print, right? Like that's not a that's not a common yeah. term that people like throw around, uh, right. You know, at parties or a pickup line at the bar. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: This is the whole reason I didn't want to buy a 3d printer. When I, I put off buying a 3d printer for at least two years, because I knew, I know my personality. I'm like, it's a rabbit hole. I really don't want to have the time. I don't want to do this. And then finally it was like, it's, I just really like creating things and like, it has to do with like making videos. It has to do with like making t-shirts. It has to do with solving problems. I just like creating things. And, and the 3d printer is really fun. So, I'm sorry I digress, but like it's just, it's, I think it's also 100% going to be, it's going to change the way that, that so many products in, in the world are, are brought to people. And right now it's just so it's, it's such, it's in such infancy that people don't really like put it together. It's kind of like, like whenever they first started sending, you know, characters across the internet and the, the you know there's a bunch of dorks in in college like oh my god we said it's live you know and they like nobody else nobody else gave a fuck you know and like that's kind of like like 3d printing in my eyes like i can 100 percent see it i don't know what the timeline is but it's it's going to be like you go to amazon and how many of the things that you purchase you just print you know it's like you date though amazon will make some perfect fucking 3d printer you know and you'll you'll have to buy it for you know three thousand dollars or whatever it is and it'll have all these materials in it it'll be like oh i got some forks you know <laughs> like.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah. yeah no i, I, I forget where we, I we were it's a,
1: game, it's a game changer for sure um, yeah so we
0: were talking about the different um the different shapes that you guys were trying
1: yeah, so so we tried a bunch of shapes, but um, we, we kept coming back to the, the honeycomb structure. And um, but there's a lot of precedence in this because uh, it, it's used in some of the higher-end cars, like Formula One race and aerospace. It just has a really good um, weight to strength ratio, right? And yeah, for something really like smart. a helmet, yeah, where you want it to be light. Um, and there's a lot of research around um, particularly aluminum honeycomb structures um, and, and their compressive nature. and it's just in, in comparisons to foam and other impact materials and um yeah it's just so vastly superior and we just leveraged a lot of that um information again it wasn't no point in reinventing um uh, yeah you know the, the wheel uh, nature had, had given us a pretty good clue of like what
0: would be fishing. it's really interesting how nature has like done that on its own you, you know what i mean like like bees aren't freaking engineers right like like they didn't like, how the hell did they come up with that, you know? Well, th-
1: I'll, t- I'll tell you. Like, all the bees who were doing gyroid, you know, homes were, like, dying. Because they all died. Off, right? Like,
0: <laughs> right. There were, there were some gyroid bees back in the
1: day, man. You know, rector angler, honey, you know, um, beehives, like, they all got killed off because it was too inefficient, you know? So, right,
0: right. They were using fructose instead of glucose or something. Like <laughs> 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 that's hilarious so um I one of the questions that I mean obviously I have a lot of mountain bikers on that follow follow me and a lot of one of the questions I see instantly is like well when are they going to do a mountain biking helmet so what's your what's your like wh- what's your what's your plan of, of attack here is it like more road helmets is it like another, like maybe something like gravel where you're kind of like a little bit getting away from the road or yeah. what, what are you yeah. thinking?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think the gravel market is well-served by our existing helmet. Um, mm-hmm. we have quite a few gravel riders who use it and the feedback has been fantastic. Um, so I, I think the, the natural place to go would be obviously mountain biking. And, uh, we feel like there's a huge opportunity there in terms of Taking everything we learn from the road. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I, I think there's some unique aspects of mountain biking that aren't you know, well handled by the existing helmets, uh, again or again, the, the, the same limitations. And so it's not going to be, um, we get this request all the time, like, can you just add a visor so I can use it for mountain biking? Like, that's that's not how we roll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. we, we kind of like to understand like what people enjoy and what they need. And then, start from a a clean slate paper and build up from there
0: yeah mountain biking has different impact zones than road biking does as well so there's things that you have to look at that aren't necessarily the same you know so um the the likelihood of of hitting something on the back of your head in mountain biking compared to road biking is is a lot
1: higher you know that's right right so so I, I i i'll put you on the spot because i'm always doing customer research of course yeah like well you know what what are the things that you'd most like to see um improve with your your mountain bike you know helmet or yeah your, your, your helmet
0: i think um realistically it's probably weight and ventilation those are probably the two biggest things right because like the lighter it is on your head, the less that you feel like you're wearing it, right? Yeah. And then ventilation is like, you know, you want it to be safe, but you actually want that airflow or like how much airflow do you want? You know what I mean? Like, is there a way to to modify that? Like, like one of the first helmets I ever bought, and this is, I mean, I'm going to date the hell out of myself back in the like 90s. Like the bell emblem, you could like push it up and it opened up a hole. And then it was like there's (laughs) more air coming through. And it was like big. Yeah. Yeah. Like the size of a penny, but smaller than that. It's like, yeah, this is gonna make a huge difference, you know. But um I, I would imagine in in this kind of like market where it's like, yeah, you could you could engineer something or like that it's like oh i could slide this panel back and now it's closed and when it's cold i don't need that that whole like section open and um and and you can still make it like very elegant and because you're printing you know then maybe it's not as expensive you know because some of that stuff you can print in place and not even have to like manufacture it like assemble it. I guess and, and I'm I'm I, I need to also explain, you know, to people that don't print. Um like you, you can you can put a little teeny bit of space or a little bit tiny bit of like plastic in between one layer of one piece and another piece. And then that way the first time you move it, those little tiny pieces just break away or um then you just go on with your life. I, I'm trying to keep it simple, but uh, like, so you could do that. And it's not like you have to have these pieces like, and then have somebody actually physically putting them together.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, out of curiosity, do you, do you typically ride with a full face or do you uh, you mix it up and have the, I, uh, open face as well? I
0: think for me, that answer is really because of when I grew up. So I grew up when first, nobody wore helmets, you know, and, and, um and the only like kids in our neighborhood that had a helmet on was like the one kid who got hit by a car and his parents were like, you're never riding that bike without a helmet, you know, and, and everybody else in the neighborhood made fun of them. Right. And then probably by the time that I was in high school and mountain biking started becoming a thing, um, like the people that I, I started my, mountain biking with were like, hey, if you're gonna mountain bike with us, you have to wear a helmet. And it was kind of mm. like, okay, well, that makes sense. Like we're going down these hills and there's rocks and stuff. And yeah, I might be doing the same thing on my BMX bike tomorrow with no helmet, but like, <laughs> but this makes sense, you know? And um, I I think because I rode so long like that, um, nowadays, I have a full, I have a full face. I, I have actually two of them. And, um, I'm always in my mind thinking to myself, Oh, I'll put that on whenever what I'm riding is like air quote serious, you know? And then I find myself like doing rides like Downeyville where I'm going 30 plus miles an hour down some trail in a, in a half lid. And I'm like, this was probably serious, you know, like when is that time? And I, I think it it really comes down to my age because I notice a lot of younger riders are, they, they wear, wear them more often. And then also people mm. that you see that ride park a lot, definitely wear them more often. Um, so that was a really long answer of saying most of the time I'm wearing just like a half lid. But yeah. Callie, Callie uh, I, I've, I've done a lot with them and um, they have a full face that is kind of like an XC full face. Mm-hmm. And I do find myself wearing that one more because it, it breathes so well that I don't necessarily feel like it's it's not hotter. It's not like, it's not much more cumbersome and i'm like hey this is a trail that i could knock my teeth out and this chin bar is like motorcycle rated so that's cool you know yeah
1: that 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 all that all makes sense Uh, yeah i've been astounded how uh how hot frankly uh, a lot of the mountain bike helmets are um yeah to the point where yeah i'll I'll wear my road or half for sure and uh I'm excited because I think one of the really interesting things is that uh, foam is about an eight X better insulator than the polymers that we use in our helmets, uh, which mm-hmm. means it traps heat in almost a mag- magnitude more. And so yeah. one of the things we found, even independent of the venting is like, even if you duct tape all the vents on our helmet, um, it still is cooler. Um, particularly in static conditions where you're climbing up, you know, some fire road or or whatnot and you're just kind of grinding it out and there's no airflow mm-hmm. really um the the mm-hmm. passive ventilation is just much better with these yeah. materials and I think that opens up a huge number of options for you know the mountain biking and hopefully I think there's a more use, use. use yeah
0: yeah I think there's a big opportunity for technology in helmets as well and and I think that um I don't know what they all are you know what I mean but um Um, things like maybe some kind of music system where it's like bone conductive or something like that, where it's like, why not integrate that or, or, or on the safety side, like any kind of lighting, you know, it's, if you can get the the weight down and if it's just something that's like a little blinky that, you know, turns on automatically whenever it, it's, dusk you know things like that or like yeah. a, a, a like our our computing power is so much smaller and so much less power intensive for things than it used to be so it's like you could have something that is potentially noticing that somebody is in with x amount of distance of you and now I'll turn this blinky on and because of that it only because it's only turning on those times that you know that battery could last you know a month instead of back in the day you would just turn it on and it's like three rides later you gotta charge it again you, you know and, and i think that there's a lot of opportunity there and in i i really like it, it the way that you're manufacturing to me it's really really exciting to think that like how much easier and nimble you could be that way because you could really like just add things in, like, oh, we could put a little pocket in for an air tag, you know, or you know, it it's like there's something that's that's actually um registering force. So it's like if this thing smashes the ground and hits this much force, like it links up to your phone and shoots the text to your wife, like, hey, you just banged his head off the wall, you know, like like yeah, things yeah, of yeah. that nature. You know? Yeah, no,
1: I I think that's right. Um you can also, you know cup holders or, or beer can holders that, you know, insert yeah, into the
0: yeah, side of your helmet or you know.
1: Yeah, hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Yeah, we've got, it's got to be practical too. <laughs> right,
0: right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I don't know, like I'm just like, like brainstorming, like, like just things that are coming to my mind right now, but it's not something that I've put a lot of thought into, but it is something to me that I feel like when you see some of the companies that have have started trying to integrate some of those things it's one of those things where you walk away look thinking to yourself like there's definitely an opportunity here there's something that like we're missing something here that we could be you know when somebody does it right everybody else is going to be like why didn't we do that all along you know know (laughs) what i mean
1: yeah (sighs) yeah no yeah i I do think um that the helmet has a very unique place on the athlete or or the rider and um that does afford it a lot of potential options and things that yeah we've been thinking around the lights lights is a good one is a good example i I, you know you're exactly right in terms of that the sensor and battery technologies have gotten so advanced that the the weight penalties you know 20 or 30 grams which isn't isn't a lot like if it's going to save your life right like i think that's (laughs) you know that's a pretty good trade-off
0: Yeah, I think like a company, think about like a company like GoPro, for example, like if they built a helmet, like you don't have to use as much stabilization because your head's a natural gimbal. And then you're also like capturing exactly where the person's looking at. And you could possibly put in some kind of like eye detection on the underside of the brim where it's actually looking at where the person is, is, is focusing and then using some kind of like camera direction for that you know there's a lot of opportunity there and and it's those things that are like so small you know what i mean that that you could be integrating into it or or as a company it would be like hey well we can like partner with this other company and say look we got this ability to work together like how can we do that you know like i don't want to make cameras and you don't want to make helmets but we both want to make money you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the the gopro one's a great example because like who really wants to have a giant box that's like stapled to the top of your head you know while you're riding particularly mountain biking where it can catch on branches and things like that that's just a a terrible you know idea like safety
0: wise anywhere you put a camera is a bad idea like you put it on your chest it's like oh you're smashing that into your ribs as you hit the (laughs) (laughs) ground. You, you put it on your chin and it's like, oh, so it can just grab you and just sling your head around. You know, it's like right. yeah. it's like no matter where you put it on top of your head, it's like the same thing. It's like then it looks stupid or it's got a bad angle. It's it's just um, to me, to me, that that one really like they're 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 a good fit for each other. You know, it's like, wow, you could really, really have have something. And, and let's just say you don't do it all like full on like a like a GoPro kind of situation, but more of like, like, like an accident recording kind of thing where it's like, it's noticing, Hey, Mm -hmm. you're there's something coming at you at this time or this speed or whatever, then record these couple of seconds. So now when the person's knocked out, you know, like what happened, you know, or the, the first responders can be like, Oh, this is like, Hey, look, there's the guy's license plate. Bam. You know what I mean? Like, things of that nature so i had a friend just recently that um he got hit at like almost 60 miles an hour or something like that and the person just left him there to die you know and oh. and and, and um yeah yeah it's horrible he, he's um he's he's you know kind of battling that right now in the hospital but fortunately like no head trauma no spine trauma um but um yeah i mean it was just like the the he's lucky that people, the right people that passed by at the right time or whatever. But as far as them apprehending the person, like he didn't have a camera on his bike or anything like that. So that person, I, I mean, I, I hope they don't get away with it, but right now it feels like they are. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I was just mad at the guy that cut me off and got away with it, you know, on the, on driving. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh so when yeah, when I mean, do you there, think there definitely a case to be made for like the the dash cam version for cycling or something
0: right? Yeah um, yeah Yeah I mean there's a lot of opportunity I guess that's that's the bottom line there so it's really cool that that you guys are in such an innov- innovative space I really like the approach of let's start over and like let's pretend we don't know what a helmet is and and figure out how to how how we would best make it What what's the um I mean, it took you six years of R and D to get to your your road helmet spot, but some of that was putting together manufacturing and stuff like that. So, where about ish do you think you are for the the mountain bike thing? Is this like a year out, or two years out, or five years? Um, or
1: yeah, uh, it'll be. Like, I mean, first and foremost, like we again, we, we're focused on making the best products possible. So yeah. there's kind of um there's like a threshold of like what we want to, to produce, but um, to give you a sense, like a lot of the work we did was foundational, right? The materials, yeah. um, our own 3D printers, all the software. So at this point we can develop a new helmet and get through somewhere in the order of four or 50 iterations of like ride testing, like in under a year. So mm-hmm. it's, um, uh, so we're not that far off. Like we get that. Yeah. yeah. All the time. Um, yeah I get it. Um, yeah.
0: So basically people should start seeing you guys releasing more products now that you have kind of everything in place and you know, how to make, how to make the products, how you have the, the materials that you need. And now it's more just like doing the design and, and getting it ready to go.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, the designing, but I, I don't want to um shortchange that like just understanding that and talking to people and, and mm-hmm. having people put like enough miles to get really good feedback on things does take time but i'm um, mm-hmm. definitely a lot easier so this won't be um you know we won't reconvene in seven years and be like okay it's yeah ready <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> we, yeah. we've got it now yeah. and everyone's like on floating bikes <laughs> at that point you
0: know. yeah so as far as your your product goes like And people choose from like just a couple of colors is there like a a ton of colors to choose from like how how custom can they get with that kind of stuff
1: yeah we have um five colors currently on our site and uh you know the vision for this is that it's not just custom fit but a custom aesthetic meaning that you could pick out um from a huge selection of colors and, and maybe design your own helmet um because I think part of the vision here is not just that the product is better, but people are excited to wear it. Like to your point about mm-hmm. the hot helmet, the best way to save people's lives is for them to, to, to wear your product, right? Or to, to use it. So mm-hmm. I figure if we um, make it super attractive and, and the helmet is personalized in terms of the look, and matches your kid or your bike.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know,
1: that'll be kind of a nice uh, add on uh, to encourage people to, yeah. to protect themselves.
0: So is this like, like printed after it's ordered or is it like, Hey, we can print, you know, 85% of it. And then once we get the head measurement, we print the last part and then they kind of like oh. pop together you know, like that. No, right. it's, it, yeah. It's,
1: it's full custom. Like when you, um, uh, I'll say this in the way that the non-3d printers, um, like when we do the, the pictures, um, we convert that into what's called like a set CAD files, but it's basically like the physical dimensions of the helmet. Right, mm-hmm. and um, we send it through our um, platform, which in three D printing terms, like slicing, and uh, you know, for mm-hmm. the printers. But basically, all the instructions to the machines are created dynamically um, based on that individual, so it, mm-hmm. it's full custom. Um, the straps, the, the, uh, I guess, the straps and the, and the, some of the padding is fairly fairly universal, so we do have like yeah, a very yeah. small stock of those. Um, mm-hmm. But everything that's three D printed is printed. In real time
0: What's the turnaround time for somebody like they go, I, I assume they go to your website and they, they download the app or whatever, or they take some pictures yeah. and you know, how, how fast is the turnaround? Um, we can,
1: uh, we can get under two weeks basically. Um, once we have the fit confirmation, meaning that the pictures are good. Uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time, but I'm sure there's some of our customers listening, like from the holidays, we just got swamped and frankly, like mm-hmm. killed from demand. So. Um, the lead times there were longer, but uh, we're ramping up both our factory and we're building a new factory over in Buffalo. Um, and mm-hmm. So we're really trying to get the capacity out there so that we can we can keep to that sub two week time period. Mm-hmm.
0: Are you internationally available right now, or is it just in the US? Or
1: um, it's just in the US. Uh, we've had enough demand where that's kind of kept us um, pretty busy, and we're trying to again provide as good customer service as we can but i suspect yeah. you know we will uh, once that factory comes online buffalo will naturally extend into canada um and then um europe after that
0: yeah 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 it's crazy once you start exporting how how difficult things get and then also just the price of like getting things to other places and stuff like that it's just very um very cumbersome
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you sound like you have some experience with that,
0: yeah, I work for a robotics company and we we export internationally and it's just like some of the hoops you have to jump through to get to you know, like through customs and stuff like that in other countries and all kinds of stuff so it, it's very interesting so
1: it looks like I know who I'm going to call when we start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely not the guy,
1: <laughs> but, no, uh, I can't yeah, yeah. back away from it now. This is like recorded for all posterity. I <laughs> <Right? keep it. laughs> Yeah. No, you said it. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So, um, what do you, what are you, uh, most proud about with, with what you, you've produced so far?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough. Every day, I think, brings new victories. But I think, uh, honestly, just the, the the team that we're working with, it's always about the, the people that you get mm-hmm. to work with day in and day out. And um, I really enjoy going into the office every day, uh, mm-hmm. seeing them, talking about, you know, how we can make the product better or a customer that is uh, happy or even unhappy, and like what we need mm-hmm. to do uh, to, to to make them happy. And um, you know it's it's just like riding with your your friends right except that we're not just riding like we're, we get to work with each other every day day in and day out and uh, uh, it's exciting and fun and that's my favorite part and thing he gets the most proud of
0: so you guys are doing your kind of um let's just say your more corporate operations and your man- manufacturing all there in in Redwood City
1: yeah that's correct it's all all one uh, facility in in Redwood City
0: right on Manufacturing is a whole other other um, ball of wax as well, as, uh, outside of the 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 design and in that that part of it. So, I'm sure there's um, a bunch of things that you had to learn there that you weren't expecting.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. You asked earlier about you know surprises and whatnot, and it, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise, but you know, it's um, it's one thing to create you know a really great helmet. It's another thing to do a thousand of them that are all mm-hmm. you know the same and identical and meet spec, and to do it yeah, over and over yeah. again like day in and day out. Uh, that is efficiently a
0: too,
1: Bernie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, <laughs> like
0: in people's mind, in people's mind, it's like you take these pictures and it goes in this computer program. The computer program sends it over the the 3D printer, and then you guys just walk by like three hours later and there's a helmet, you know, like, but it, it's definitely not that process. There's, there's so many other steps that are, that are in there. So, um, yeah, yeah, there, yeah I, really I right. uh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah,
1: that, that's right. I think, I think people sometimes think to d printers, it's like uh, the Jetsons, right? Or, or Star Trek replicator where, yeah, you push yeah. this button and <laughs> like, yeah. it just shows up, but no, but yeah, there's definitely a lot more to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my like little like mind experiment with Amazon earlier, and I think it, it'll get damn close to there. It could get there for some products, but we're definitely not there yet. Um yeah, it's it's really interesting, man. I, I think it's 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 really interesting to think about all the opportunities that you have in design and actually being able to like pivot as well whenever um you find something wrong with it, you know, or, or, you know, you, you're you ready to make a change. <clears throat> like you were saying earlier about being, um, locked into your molds and stuff like that. That's definitely something I've heard from other people that are making other things, you know, like bike related where it's like, you know, especially as, a, as some people that are smaller businesses that are you know it, it's it's a very big capital expense to get that product made and then to yeah. change it they're like yeah i can't i need to sell a billion of these before i can change it you know
1: that's sure. right yeah I, yeah i think one of the challenges for us sometimes is when not to make a change right like sometimes uh sometimes you just need to stop right and to to your point like we want to be very transparent with customers like you buy this product it's it's good. Like, we don't want people to feel like they bought it and then a week later, like, oh, they released this other you know feature on the, on the helmet like if I had just waited or, or something. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we... I think we can be our own worst enemies and sometimes, like, we see all those potential things that we can do and um, sometimes you kind of, just kind of have to, like, is it actually in the customer's best interest, right? Like, mm-hmm. the engineer may think it's cool, but... You know, does it actually provide um, value? And then, um, can we can we package it in a way that makes sense? And it, we're not expecting people to follow us in real time, like every single you know engineering change. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to have some stability in the system. It's a certified product, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a balance I think that we we have to strike every day.
0: Yeah there's a lot of helmets in cycling so i mean it's like there's a road helmet there's a mountain biking helmet there's a a triathlon helmet there's a full face helmet like there's so many different variations so um how long do you think it takes you to not be doing biking helmets anymore to like Mm -hmm. to be adding in into something else where you're like oh maybe we want to do like helmets for rock climbers or something like that you know (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah um I, honestly I, I hope sooner than later uh, yeah i love cycling uh but there are a lot of other activities and sports that would benefit from this and mm-hmm. um the honest thing, honest answer is, i think the market will determine it for us meaning like, we we have to earn the right to do that like customers have to love the product we have to build something that's just phenomenal um mm-hmm. before we kind of move on to the next thing um because it is a it's a platform and all the technologies we use, we try to share between the, the different models and things. So, um, but yeah, hopefully sooner than later, uh, but yeah, you know, we still have a lot to learn.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm sure. Is there, is there a market for, um, I know there's some kind of like different medical grade kind of helmets and things of that nature. Like, is there a market there that you guys are exploring as well, or?
1: yeah um yes uh, uh there's a couple of things um you know there are uh the name lose me right now but um kids who are born with like their cranium not fully formed yet um uh, mm-hmm. there's these kind of a uh, funky looking foam s things yeah that people use. effectively the mold the kids head into yeah. shape yeah, uh, yeah. simultaneously it's kind of like uh, braces for your head in terms of like forming yeah. it, but also like protecting it. Um,
0: we have a lot of customers who have
1: uh, cochlear in, or ocular implants um, for helping their hearing, um, and they mm-hmm. can't they can't wear helmets, and so that's something that uh, we're, we're trying to look into to see if we can accommodate. That's kind of the intersection of medical and, and cycling. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and then that's there's, exactly and there's, like, like the type of stuff that I was thinking about though when I when I. When I mentioned it, it, was actually the kids is was the one that I was thinking about because the helmet that they put these children in, it just looks like it's so cumbersome for their life. And it's like yeah. I feel like it can be done better, you know?
1: Yeah. And then like, I don't know. I, I grew up and you know, kids make fun of you and stuff, stuff like that. Like you just you just wanna have something that looks cool, protects your head, and does its function. Yeah. Um and there's the other side of it which is just like things like uh casts and, and broken arms and stuff like you can picture very readily instead of having some funky you know um yeah thing on your hand like having something much more elegantly printed yeah yeah, uh, yeah. That, that looks better and, breeze and it's not like all sweaty and itchy <laughs> right. It. right right imagine that
0: right on man well hey i know um we have a we have a spurt certain time we need to get out of here and I really wanna thank you for taking the time to sit down and, and chat with, with us. Um, it's been really fun and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do.
1: Yeah, hey, th- thanks a lot, Robert. If you're, you're ever in Redwood City, drop me a line. Uh, happy to give you the, the penny tour of the place.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that would be super rad. That, that would def- definitely be cool to come check it out. Um, I always like to ask people, what do you watch YouTube at all?
1: Uh, yeah, it's probably more than I should
0: what what youtube channels do you like to watch whether it has to do with cycling or not
1: <laughs> oh i got to do non-cycling just to vary the topic a little bit but i i uh-huh. have this uh, this uh this guy the the mr beast i i can't oh, yeah. believe i can't believe the production value like i've only watched a couple of his things but i mean it's full-blown you know like television on youtube and the um, budgets
0: for his videos are phenomenal it's like unbelievable it's like oh this is a four million dollar 10 minute video you know or like more you know and it's like oh yeah but he also grossed like 50 million dollars out of like playing it and you're like oh my god (laughs) this is yeah yeah
1: it's incredible and uh but he also seems like genuinely like a really nice person. Like he's always yeah kind of rooting for the guy who's you know the contestants and whatnot. And uh, so um you know it's always good to see good people um be successful in, in what they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, it's on a good show.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely interesting. He was an underdog too. I mean, he was on like YouTube for like ten years and had barely any followers. So <laughs> it, he just. uh, He stuck it out. Everybody thought he was crazy for saying he wanted to be a YouTuber. And now he's probably going to be the first billionaire YouTuber. So that's amazing.
1: (laughs) What's your favorite?
0: And I like, I go through all kinds of different like spurts. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was watching all these, uh, like Nirvana interviews of like Dave Grohl and stuff like that. And then, um, Trying to think about what what rabbit hole I fell into recently um I think I just watched the other day do you do you mountain bike at all
1: yeah yeah I, yes mm-hmm.
0: have you ever watched BCpov's channel
1: I think I've seen I don't think I watched it regularly, but I think I've seen a couple of videos that popped up on my like recommended him
0: him and his wife did this uh trip to Africa and they did this like stage race right? and he put together this video it's an hour and a half long it's basically a documentary and um unbelievably good my wife who like barely watches youtube and really doesn't even really care to watch cycling youtube but, i mean she's a she, she's a cyclist but she just she just doesn't care and she watched it our power was out and she was like man that was really good so yeah swing by his channel and check it out definitely a good one all of you that that have uh joined us for the, the last hour and 20 minutes thank you very much man really appreciate you all those of you guys that have joined members recently i thank you so much it, it's definitely those those little three dollars a month to you like make a big difference to me uh it, it's 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 really uh it makes me feel um very motivated that you guys are willing to do something like that, so I appreciate that. If you are watching on YouTube and you haven't hit subscribe, hit subscribe. It's pretty easy; just push the button, and it may not do anything, but at least it makes me feel better about seeing the number get bigger. If you're uh, like I said at the beginning, if you're listening on on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you want to do a review, five star review, that'd be awesome. If you're thinking like three or two probably do something else instead. It doesn't matter. You don't want to do that. Don't waste your time. Anyways, if you want something for free, just remember it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.